when I have customers that were with me and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I really, I, I think about getting the real estate because I just, I love showing houses. And you're trying not to laugh because you're thinking, that is such a small part of what we do. And, you know, when I interview agents for my team, if you're in this just for the money, you'll never make it because the people will get in the way. This is a people business. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 178 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Uh, it's been very fun growing over the last few years and, and getting to meet more people and talk to more people as a result of the podcast. This week, it's going to be a lot of fun for me. I've, I have I met Kim Knapp, who's founder of Team Knapp with Coldwell Banker Vanguard Realty up in Jacksonville, in the Jacksonville area. I met her at the Jacksonville Bar Camp a year ago. I'm going to tell you, I've been to a lot of different bar camps around the country. If you haven't been to the Jacksonville Bar Camp, Put it on your calendar. It's going to be in January or February next year. We'll get the exact date from Kim. But it is one of the most well-run, well-structured, just amazing events that I've been to. Uh, so uh, once I saw that, I knew I had to get Kim on the show. But there's lots of other stuff I want to talk to her about. So Kim, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Bill. I appreciate you reaching out to me and giving me this opportunity. And the date is January 10th, 2020. Look at that. So we're one year out and they've already got a hard date for their RE bar camp. That's rare in itself, right? You have to admit that. Well, it is, but so many people count on it. I mean, this year we had uh, 900 tickets. They were gone in an hour and 10 minutes. And within a few hours later, we had 300 on the wait list. So a lot of people are putting this on the calendar. People come from all over the country. One thing that's important, people are listening. If you're saying, okay, this is something I want to, you know, I want to invest in my career and go to this, the tickets are released. December 1st, I don't care what day of the week, December 1st falls on. It's December 1st at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you got to be ready on button. We will put uh, that in the show notes. We'll also put a link to the website, all that good stuff, right? We can do that. I always like starting at the beginning with guests. And in my opinion, the beginning is, you know, where you grew up. Most people uh, don't really, you know, kind of stay where they grew up. They kind of tend to move around and kind of meander around the country. So let's start with that first. Where you grew up, what, did you have a, a talk about your childhood and, and that sort of thing? Okay, well, I, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in central Illinois. I think I had, in many ways, a great childhood. We had a lot of freedom back in those days that I think young people don't have today. You know, whether it's riding your bikes or coming home at dark or, or whatever. But, but it was also, I, I grew up fast. I, I was the oldest of six children. I was raised by, you know, I'm, I'm imperfect. I was raised by imperfect people who did the very best job that they could. A lot of marriages and divorces and, and substance addictions and different things like that. And I, you know, I started raising my siblings when I was like 11. And, you know, nothing, nothing against any of that. But um, I grew up fast and was kind of, you know, very responsible at a young age. But, I, you know, I love my family. We, we, we argue fiercely and we love fiercely. And like I said, it was a great place to grow up. I mean, my best friend from childhood, from sixth grade, we are best friends today, which I think is pretty fabulous. And unfortunately, she lives in California and I live in Florida, so we couldn't be much further from each other. But I did all the normal, you know, kid stuff. 
I love I love hearing you say that everyone did the best they could. I think sometimes, and my guess is maybe you realize that not as a 15 or 25 year old, but maybe later in life that where you kind of have that that realization, wow, they were they did the best they could. I think that's a very healthy outlook. Yeah, well, I was actually, um, like I said, I was an old soul. So it was actually in my early 20s after I'd taken like a long, long trip around the East Coast from one end to the other that I really got grounded. I got grounded in my faith. I, I And I just realized no one ever lied awake at night coming up with a maniacal plan to not be all they could be or not do all that they were capable of doing. And honestly, I mean, I, I it's unfortunate because I feel like a lot of people have things that happened that aren't happening now, but that happened that are still weighing on their joy, their peace, like a bad anchor, you know? And I just, I just think that being able to forgive, you know, not, not forgiving is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. All it does is hurt you. And so being able to extend that forgiveness, it's really for yourself. And, and it's important, you know, like I said, to know that, you know, people, they, they, for the most part, are there evil people in the world? Sure. But, but mostly they're just imperfect people that, you know, had their own things that they were dealing with. Let me change the subject a little bit. You, I know you grew up, you said central Illinois, you were in Danville, right? Kind of right on the Indiana border. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't explode because we, we got the VA hospital instead of the U of I. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. I asked this question and I, I, like I've met you a couple times, had, had meals with you. You're very funny. And, and I might, I'm just going to guess you're kind of a sports fan. Am I, is that, am I accurate there? Well, yeah. Well, when you grow up in Illinois, you're required to be a sports fan. You have to pick a team. And is it going to be the White Sox or the Cubs? So I was born into a Cub family. Okay. Is there, are there people there that are all fans of maybe that they go the other way, they go south into Missouri and become Cardinal fans? There's some Cardinal fans. Of course, you know, college football and even basketball. Um, is a big deal, but you know, there's, yeah, there's some Cardinal fans, but I don't think as much as is, uh, you know, dialed in on Chicago. You leave the Midwest for school. So let's talk about college for you. Uh, and really, as you were heading there, what did, uh, let's say, 17 or 18 year old Kim want to do? So when I was 18, I actually moved out when I was still in high school. Okay. And um, I had grandparents that were my soft landing place, and they wanted to help get me out of there. And so, you know, I had limited opportunities just because of finances and maybe lack of knowledge of resources. So I had a small scholarship to um, go into radio and communications. I had done radio all through high school. I did four years of radio. We recorded with these giant reels every Saturday and we do five days worth of shows long before, you know, anything like this was what you're, you know, doing now was even thought of. But so I was really interested in radio and um, dad's sister lived in Key West. And so I went down to Key West to go to school and just at their community college. Now just imagine this girl from this town of 30,000 people in the Midwest going to Key West. It was mind-blowing. I just want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess there's a story or 30 <laughs> that, that pop up out of that part of your life. <laughs> well, you know, the third version is I went down there and, you know, went to school. And it was it was an interesting time to be in QS for those who were there in the 80s. I mean, the military presence was super strong. 
And being a single young female was like, you know, akin to being shark bait because there was, you know, one female every 15 single guys that were, that were down there. Anyway, so I went to school down there and then, you know, I, I, this is a great 80s story is I met somebody in a rock and roll band and kind of ended up traveling up the coast and eventually wound my way to upstate New York. That's, that's the shortest version of that. So you, uh, when you say upstate, what, what town are we talking about there? In Rochester. Okay. I ended up in Rochester. And, and what were you doing and there? I, mar- I married a, a rock and roll guy and his family was from there. And we went up there and planned on kind of, you know, whatever. He had a big Italian family. Not long after I was there, I realized that it, it just wasn't going to work. So by then I had a one-year-old daughter and I kind of moved out on my own. And I thought, what am I going to do? I was a bartender in Key West. I didn't want to be a bartender anymore. And, you know, I needed to do something, which really funny. I haven't thought about this one saying this to you. I actually went into a Coldwell Banker office. I was like 21 years old and said, like, what about real estate? And they were just, they realized I was in no position to start a real estate business. You know, I didn't have any resources, didn't have any reserves. And it's just funny. I think about that. But anyway, I ended up getting surrendered to a job as a bartender. And um, I I met three people there and got offered an application to Delco, which is a General Motors company, Ragu and Xerox. At the time, um, Upstate New York was in a lot better position as far as jobs like that go. So within about uh, two or three months of being there, I I started working for General Motors. I love the bartender angle. I'll I'll tell you this. It's the, the of the 175 interviews I've had with people in the real estate industry, the number one job mm-hmm. that people have had in their past mm-hmm. is bartender. And I think it absolutely applies. I talk about this a lot on the show, but what do you do behind a bar? But, but listen to people, consult, help, try to solve problems. I mean, you're right there, right? I mean, isn't it, don't you feel that oh, those absolutely. skills, those skills have translated into what you do today? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, it's for so. <laughs> But I have customers that were with me and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I really, I, I think about getting a real estate because I just, I love showing houses and you're trying not to laugh because you're thinking that is such a small part of what we do. You know, this is a people business. And, you know, when I interview agents for my team, I said, you know, if you're in this just for the money, you'll never make it because the people will get in the way. This is a people business and you have to really, you can't tolerate the people. You have to you have to have a, a passion for helping the people and navigating through them. If you're tolerating them, you'll you'll you won't make it. Right. I love that feeling. I love that power. That's a passion you have, and uh, it comes through when people meet you. I'll, I'll tell you that personally, I see it when I'm when I've met you or been up there a couple of times to Jacksonville. So that's that's awesome. So somehow. You leave General Motors, something changes there because you end up back in Florida and you become a realtor. So how does that happen? Let's hear that part of the story. Well, um, I met my husband um, at General Motors and we've been married now 26 years. It'll be 27 this year. They offered the opportunity for some early retirement. Um, I was able to leave vested. and uh, But he was actually basically said, if you'll leave now, you can punch the clock. We'll punch it for you for five more years to get you to 30, and then you'll officially go into retirement. Our kids were in like first and fifth grade, and we thought, 
you know, and I, I liked Florida. I didn't, I didn't like upstate New York. I mean, I loved upstate New York. I mean, I mean, the cold, the snow, being right there on Lake Ontario, it's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to live. And I have lots of good friends there. I just didn't love the snow. And, um, and we had taken several trips to Florida, um, you know, as when our kids were younger. And so he liked Florida too. And we thought, you know, this is a good opportunity. Our kids are young enough. They're not going to be mad about it. You know, it's a, lot, it's a lot harder to move teenagers. And um, so anyway, we made a decision to come down and, and we took a lot of uh, trips to different cities and met a lot of real estate people trying to decide where we wanted to go. And we decided Jacksonville was a, a good fit for us. You come down without a job. Were you, how did how did the real estate world open up to you? You know, I was very fortunate. You know, we always lived very conservatively. I, I, I worked in a factory. My husband's a, you know, a motor control electrician. You know, we weren't, nobody was bringing home bank. I mean, we made good money, had good benefits, but, but we lived very conservatively. When we bought our, we bought a $200,000 house when we moved down here and um, our mortgage was $600 a month. And that was with taxes and insurance. Wow. So we had a very small mortgage. I was doing nails. I had a nail license. So I just came down here and, you know, you know, whatever I was making a week. And my husband had his retirement and he started, you know, doing little side jobs. We didn't have to like, it, we just didn't have a lot of pressure on us. And like I said, we live pretty conservatively. And it's funny because when we were selling our house in Rochester, my husband is just so laid back and, you know, easygoing. But um, when it comes to money, he's more of the penny pitcher than I am. I'm, I'm, I'm more loud or animated um, and I'm more the one that's going to say, hey, you know what? You can't take it with you, you know, move on. So we kind of balance each other. But when we were selling our house, we did for sale by owner. We have like 40 couples come through our open house and tell us how awesome our house was. Um, none of them wrote an offer, wanted to buy it. And I look back and I just laugh because I was so proud that 40 people came through the house that didn't want to buy it. And um, then we hired somebody that was like a buy owner company that paid a flat fee, didn't go in the MLS. They, you know, took our money, house didn't sell. Finally, we hired a real estate agent. It sold in a week with three offers and, you know, we lost money on it because the, the market up there in upstate New York doesn't do much moving. Mm-hmm. It's pretty stagnant. And I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like, rah, 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 you know, about losing money and paying the real estate agent and all of this. And on the buy side, when we came down here, um, I had a great real estate agent. And I don't know that I would have, I think the move would have been a lot harder without having someone like her. So when I got down here, I thought, you know, I really loved the way she helped us. And her her help was really useful. And um, so I thought, you know, I said to my husband, what do you think if we went into real estate? And um, the original plan was actually I was was going to get a degree in Christian counseling. I'd already uh, done some uh, work on it. So I thought that that's what I would do. And so we kind of prayed about it and decided about three weeks later to give real estate a try. I was in a fortunate position where I didn't have to, to sell something. You know what I mean? That pressure was not hanging over my head. But I think that helped my career. Um, what I did was I actually interviewed. I called my, my realtor. I called other realtors who I saw a lot of their signs. I called site agents. I took people to coffee. And I said, tell me about how long you've been doing this. Tell me what you like and don't like. What's the real deal? I, you know, I took the time to interview people. I took time to understand the commission splits, learn from those agents about different brokerages and different business models. And the next thing I did 
was I did not, I hadn't gone to real estate school yet. I had paid for it. I hadn't gone to real estate school yet. I called brokerages to interview them. I did not understand. <laughs> I look back now, it's kind of funny, but yeah. I think I think it's a good idea. But anyway, I mean, I, I had no question whether or not I was going to, you know, get through the test. I wanted to know when I got done what I was going to do and who it was going to be for. So, yeah, I had some, some that wouldn't talk to me, but. Obviously, yeah. Cobalt Banker did. They did. And it's funny because I would have some of the ones that didn't want to talk to me a year later calling me and I'm like, whatever. You know, they wouldn't yeah. give me two minutes, you know, at the time. But honestly, the way we do this in this business, people get into real estate. They have no idea how the commission splits work. They have no idea what the real job is. They, Especially today. I mean, back then we didn't have HGTV, but they watch HGTV. They have a very false idea. And that's why what, almost eight out of 10 don't make it past two years. Because they went to all this trouble to go to real estate school and get a license, really having no true idea about this industry. And so what? Then you pay the money, you get your real estate license, and then you go talk to brokerages? I want to point out that you've been Coldwell Banker Vanguard since day one, and you're still with them. That's not very common. That's not a common thing, is it? It's not a common thing. I will tell you, I mean, I've, I've talked to other brokerages lots of times. I've... I've even entertained when the market crashed, you know, I'm like, do I open my own company? I've talked to brands, uh, you know, understanding the different inner workings. But, you know, I had a pastor years ago in New York said to me, you know where the grass is greener? Where you water it. Mm-hmm. And I realize sometimes agents get stuck. We don't talk about our problems. We don't, we don't necessarily solve them. We get mad and walk away. We don't. We don't entertain renegotiating depending. I mean, if you're not selling anything, you don't have much to renegotiate. But if you're if you're selling at a high level, maybe, you know, getting some terms that make more sense for your business as it changes, you know, or as it grows or expands and having an open dialogue with the people that you work with. Yeah. So it's it's been really good over the years. I think it's been a win win for everybody. Yeah, I like where I am. You started around 2000, somewhere in that time frame, right when the internet was blowing up, websites were um, being talked about more and more. And were you an early adopter of that that technology? And and then if I just kind of want to follow that through to then, you know, we get social pops up in 2007, eight. Were you early in on that as well? Yeah, it's really funny. I had my first computer and. 1998, because my best friend in California was upgrading her company and she sent it to me because she was tired of not being able to email me. Um, I never learned how to use a, you know, a keyboard in school. I did that. I mean, I was hitting caps lock to make a capital letter and unhitting cap locks to oh. keep going. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I was that like whatever. But I, I, it was like it went really easy for me as, you know, once you put it in my hands and we started to take off and I mean, whether it was even doing stuff with the computers, you know, uninstalling things to make room for other things, moving things to an external, I mean, a drive as opposed to, you know, I, I just, just handling the computer itself, you know, somehow it came really easy for me. And when I got down here, I guess I didn't have any boundaries in my mind of what you could do or not do. And um, so opportunities were just that. I didn't have like a mindset of like, man, nobody's doing that. You know what I mean? I I didn't have any boundaries for that. So I got, I mean, I bought the domain name for the community that I moved into that there were only like 50 or 60 people living there. The developer 
didn't own it. There's 2,400 people that live there now, and I own the domain name. So I, I got into that. And of course, those of us who got in early um, on search engine optimization, meta tags and keywords and rich content and Google AdWords in 2002, three and four, before it was really like a thing, we, we, got, to, we got some real momentum out of that. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's the hardest part when you talk about that stuff today is, especially if someone's you know, remembers the the good old days <laughs> when you go back 15 <laughs> years or so. Yeah, that it was a diff- it was a different game. There there was not a ton of competition like there is today. Mm-mm. Now, when agents say to me, like, you know, they're they're newer agents and you know they want to get a website and and they want to get internet leads, I'm just thinking that's probably not the best place for you to start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I say the same thing. I think I think that uh, uh, I'm I'm in that same mindset with you. Let's let's talk about your people. Let's get let's get people first, and we'll worry about that later. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about in 2011. You you start another company, Real Dynamic Agents, and I think let's talk about the the purpose, the vision there. Well, you know, training's always been in my heart. It's always been a thing. I've I've done it, and you know different venues, you know, probably since, even since I was a teenager. So it's a passion that I've always had. When you get into real estate, you realize that, I mean, there's, there's a lot of CE training and it's, it's all important. And it was really getting exposed to CRS actually in 2009 that I was like, I love, I love the quality of this content. You know, it's, it's approaching me as a business owner at, at another level, but you know, I just feel like it just not enough exposure to people. And I thought if I could hop in the ring and, you know, train agents to to do better in the business, but I think with that also comes managing their business. You know, I, I don't mean just prospecting more, and that's great, and doing effective prospecting, and that's great, or getting, you know, fellable listings, and that's great. But they need to know once they get more business, how do they run their business so their business doesn't run now because agents end up just having burnout. So I kind of just decided to jump in in, in that ring. I've seen more and more people do it, and I'm glad. You know, I think for a long time in the education world of of, of real estate, and, and it's a little bit like this still, but not nearly as much, that the educators, a lot of them, they didn't want anybody else in because that was another level of competition of more people. But I think that that's dynamics changing, and I'll bring anybody along I can help out bring along. There's one, what, one and a half million of us at this point? Yeah. Coming close to that? Yeah, close. Is that right? We can't have enough educators. We can't have enough good educators. And, um, you know, when you can tell somebody and teach them something that they can actually go do and and it, you hear from them later, like, wow, that really worked. I, it made a real difference in my business or my life. I mean, gosh, that feeds your soul. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to talk at a, a high level about concepts and uh, theory. But when you, when you put a piece of useful, a little workshop together that really helps someone you know, grow their business, that's a whole different feeling, right? Oh, it is. And, you know, and for a lot of it, it's getting past mindsets. When I first became a a realtor, I I didn't have any boundaries. I sold 6 million my first year in real estate. I was, I was yucking it up in the back row. It was probably only 40 of us at the company where they're doing the little awards thing. First one I've ever been to. And I got like rookie of the year, which I thought was pretty awesome. When you're new, I wasn't keeping track of what I was selling, where my leads were coming from. I was just, you know, my hair was on fire and I was, you know, running around. And then they're like, oh, top producer, you know, Kim Knapp. And I didn't even hear it because I wasn't tuned in. And one of my mentors next to me had to elbow me. 
But during that first year in real estate, and even the next several years, I got so much of like, that doesn't work. Why are you doing that? Nobody does that. You don't need to do that. And so much wrong mindset that, you know, that's just another piece of, um, you know, where my heart is in training and helping people is just, you know, who was it? Howard Gritton just said, get out of judgment and get into curiosity. Mm. And if you could, if you can get past that boundary of folks' mindsets that keeps them from, from stepping outside of their comfort zone or doing something new, boy, that's a win because it just opens up all these things to them when they can open up their mindset. That is a perfect segue into the Jacksonville Bar Camp and what you've created there, right? Because I, I'm sure the very first, what, what year was the first bar camp there? It was seven years ago, so that was 2012. Okay, and I'm sure it was a ton of fun trying to explain to people what a bar camp was. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, what what, did you say? There's no schedule, no instructors, no what? (laughs) So let's talk about... uh, Talk about that, (laughs) how hard it was to get it going and, you know, share maybe a story or two about that. I got to just give a shout out to the Northeast Florida Association of Realtors and our um, MLS. Because from day one, when we went to them, they offered their complete support without trying to manage it, which is very difficult for associations to do. They want to get out their red pen and, you know, everything, every I dotted T crossed. And it's like, but this is bar camp. <laughs> so you can't, you can't work that way. And, um, and, and they just, they really, they gave us the support we needed and, and at the same time didn't, you know, try to overly control it. But we started out really small. We had, you know, the same five main people that we have today that were running it. And we probably had, I think about 150 people there mm-hmm. and which was all we could fit in, in our building um, with our vendors without, you know, making the fire marshal mad. It, it was good. I mean, I was, it was good. And um, was it as organized as today? No. Um, was it a whole new thing for every single person that came in and wanted to call it rebar camp? You know, we're like, no, it's like a pirate, our, you know, our rebar camp. Right. And explain to them that there wasn't a preset schedule. But, you know, I got to tell you, I talk to people in other industries. I mean, people in like $500,000 a year contracts for what they do and about this concept. And one of them, I had had him over for dinner recently and he said yeah i brought the idea of what you guys do and they're like no way not happening but he loved it because he thought wow if we could just get in the nitty-gritty and sit and talk with each other and say so what do you do or how do you solve that you know what have you used for that how do how do you do this when you've got a you know a a founder you know who doesn't he had a great idea but he just can't be on the board anymore because he's in the way of, of the future I mean, whatever that is, because I would love to be able to sit down in groups and talk like that. He goes, that's amazing that you guys have that. But at this point now, it's, it's cut on and, and uh, people really look forward to it. But, you know, you were there this year. I couldn't believe out of like 900 people, 400 of them had never been. Yeah. So that was really That was my next crazy. question. That was, that was amazing to see that number uh, of new people, which is wonderful for, the, for next year. It's great. It's, they're going to tell some people and you're going to have probably – Close to the same number of new people coming to check it out. It's it's a that's a great part of the of the uh, of the experience. Yeah, but we're going to move it next year to a bit bigger venue. Look out, <laughs> Jacksonville Ari Bar Camp <laughs> version two I love it. 
<laughs> well, and you know, just because you know, if, if we can, then why not? I hate to have so many people who are trying to come and, and, and can't come, but what a great opportunity. And you know, there were people there, there were a lot who had been in the business less than a year. We had people, we had, you know, a couple dozen that had been there less than six months. There was one person that had been in business 30 days. And the thing about that is when I was, and I, I don't know if my experience is similar, but when I was new in real estate, and I love, I've always been an education junkie. I've read lots of self-help books. I read you know, all kinds of things like that. But I wish I would have really understood better how important education was. Hmm. When we get out of real estate school, we basically know how not to go to jail. You don't know anything else. You're completely dangerous as far as I'm concerned because you don't know the contracts and understand because you don't know the contract, you can't perceive the consequences of not having it done right. Then you don't know how to really do self-promotion and learning negotiations and overcoming objections and helping a seller to be able to get the, 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 the best price they can and navigating through things they don't want to do, which is stage the house or declutter or paint or, you know, take down their shrine of frogs that are all over the house, you know, or whatever that is. And it's a disservice to the public. And um, I just wish I would have known more clearly how important that education was going to be. So I challenge anybody. They, they say, you know, you, you think education's expensive. Try the cost of ignorance. Yeah, that's a great line. Kim, let me ask you this. Let me ask you, you know, you're a techie. What, what excites you looking forward in real estate? Some of the things that are being talked about. And, and maybe is there one thing you're like, hey, this thing's jumped the shark. I'm, I'm over it. How about, is that kind of a fair question? Oh, you know, it's funny. You know, you look at the tech and people are, you know, I was at a conference and like, oh, I'm, te I'm teaching Alexa skills that I can give out to my customers, right? And, um, you know, and then they can ask Alexa about real estate and, and there I'll be. So hard to see into the future how all this interconnectivity is, is going to work when your refrigerator and your phone and your Alexa and your computer can all talk to each other. And how that works in the, in the real estate space. You know, I mean, like Matterport, I think it's really cool. I use it for my high-end listings. You know, they've got the virtual link. Pretty cool. But, you know, how many high-end buyers are putting their virtual goggles on to go walk through a house, right? Right. It's awesome. But, I mean, how you get the application, you know, to happen. Um, I, I'll tell you one of the things that, that I, I wish we could get, and I, maybe it's going to be a generational thing, I like just the online space of training, education, real time, that this happening, meetings, virtual meetings. I do, we do virtual meetings for bar camp. Like we, we, we used to meet up in the beginning all the time. We don't do that anymore. Right. We meet up a few times. We just, but, we just get on Google Hangout or something like that and have a meeting. Perfect. Yeah. Look, I think that's become, that's becoming more and more common. You know, and eventually you could see that in, in some way, shape or form that's happening in your world with clients. Sometimes they're not in the same state. You're kind of doing that already, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I just, I just think that, I think that in Europe, they're very comfortable with FaceTiming each other. You know, they, they, they culturally um, looking at each other, video chatting, all of that. Younger people here are, I think agents 55 older. They're, they're not as comfortable culturally with, with that. But I'll tell you, it's a great tool to be able to be 
make a human connection with somebody. I want to ask you about your take on the uh, the eye buyers. You know what I'm talking about. The company, you know, the I'm sorry, yeah. the Alpha Pad Open Doors and so on. The new brokerage models that are floating around. You got Compass and EXP. They're 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 all the rage. You know, we're recording this the week of Inman 2019, so you know, <laughs> as I, I'll be heading up there tomorrow. There's going to be a lot of conversation. Are you worried about? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not, to be honest with you. I mean, we're always looking for um, this new shiny thing. We're always trying to find, you know, I mean, people are trying to find their, their place in the space, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, how can, what can I do that's new in the real estate space? There's lots of money to be had and made in real estate. There's lots of people investing in finding a space in real estate. But isn't it the same with everything? I mean, you know, whether it's department stores or, you know, whatever, there's always going to be people who will shop at Walmart and Kmart. There's always going to be people that are going to go to Kaufman's or Dillard's or whatever your department store is in your part of the country. You know, then there's going to be Macy's and there's going to be Nordstrom's and they're all different customers. For me, I will pay for service. I don't like to overpay for anything. If I'm not getting service, I'm not going to, I'm not going to overpay. I'm not even, I don't even want to pay retail if I'm not getting service, but I will pay for service. And that's my personality. Now, there's some people that don't care. They, they, so I just feel like there's space for all of us. But at the end of the day, people who are doing traditional real estate, like I'm doing it, if you're not providing value, if you're not educated, if you're not going to be that, that counselor, that uh, facilitator, um, if you're not going to be that person and have that kind of quality of information to bring to the table, there will be no room for you in the space. I believe that's coming. People won't tolerate it. Kim, here, here's the question I ask everybody uh, on the show. Every, it's, since Jay Thompson, episode one, I've, I've asked this question. <laughs> what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business? I, I actually, if I could say three things. There's one, you need to have some reserves. Two, find a mentor. And three, learn as much as you can. Grab as much education as you can. You, you, you wouldn't go be a professional athlete and not practice and have a coach. I'm not saying go pay for a coach in the real estate space. You can get somebody in your office to mentor you. And I, you know, I told my son this when he went off to college. I said that the, the mentor doesn't go looking for the mentee. Because when you're a mentor type personality, everybody wants a piece of you. A mentor person wants somebody who wants to learn because that feeds them. So don't think somebody's just going to find you and do it. The mentee needs to go find the mentor. You know, and so when my son went off to college, I said, "You, you find those professors. They're not coming after you. You need to go after them. Who can you learn from? And it's the same thing in real estate. You see somebody in your office say, you know what, could you... Spend a few minutes with me, you know, dur- during the week. Can I call you if I have questions? They're going to, I'm telling you, they'll, they'll do it. I love your mentor-mentee angle. That's perfect because you're right. A mentor is not going to go seek out people that need help. But boy, there's nothing probably more thrilling for that person than someone who has a burning passion to learn. Exactly. Yeah. That, so you love feeding into them and helping them like you want to do it. Yeah, that's great. Kim? If somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? And as I mentioned, we'll put the 
we'll put the link to the bar camp in the uh, the notes. But what about you? Um, well, you can just email me at Kim at TeamNAP.com. You can um, go to Facebook and send me a private message. You can go to Twitter, Kim Napjacks, and um, DM me or tweet me or whatever, and you'll get me. Kim, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy morning. I, I really, I was so so looking forward to this conversation. It was everything I thought it would be because you're you're very you're a very honest, passionate person, and that's the, the perfect guest for the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Um, I think it's awesome, and um, and I, I will see you. I don't know when. Well, maybe in DC. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe DC. But are you going to be at um, FAR's event this summer? Oh, yeah. Yep. I'll be there. We will be there together. All right. Thanks, Kim. (laughs) Awesome. See you then.